The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the no-bullshit business program dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs to be successful. It's another gorgeous day in Los Angeles today, and I thank you for joining me on the show. Hanukkah's just begun. We're only a few days from Christmas. Kwanzaa's just around the corner. So whatever your beliefs or lack of, or whatever you're celebrating, I wish you a wonderful, happy holiday season. This program is all about helping you. So I want you to contact me. Let, let me know what you think. Email me. Tweet me. Become my contact on LinkedIn. Go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe to my newsletter. Just tell me what you think. Share your ideas, your criticisms, and your praise, and let me know what you would like me to talk about. In last week's show, I talked about the perilous state of the U.S. economy and our gutless politicians who are not prepared to arrest the debt or make decisions that will separate government from major corporations and their 40,000 lobbyists. We stirred up a lot of passion and we attracted a lot of emails and a number of people even wrote to me wanting to be interviewed on the show. And uh, for once in my life, interviews ran in my favour about 50 to 1. You legislators out there, take notice. The public are not happy. And this is not a Democrat or a Republican or a White House thing. The people don't feel that they're being supported by any of you. This is just before the holidays and you'll want to come back to work after the break, raring to go, going to change things and be successful next year. I thought I'd use the opportunity to sum up the business success keys that I've covered so far. As you know, if you follow me or have read my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, I designed 15 keys, which if you follow them, you will be successful. I guarantee it. So I don't care what your product or service is. I don't care how good it is. These 15 keys have never failed. So today, I'm going to run through most of these keys to a successful business one at a time. Key one. You've got to have a clear business vision and plan. It's essential to have a clear vision of where you want to be in 12 months, two years, and five years' time, and then create a business strategy which details precisely how you plan to get there. You need to include all the important elements that can affect the outcome of your business, including potential changes 
to regulations and society changes and what your competition's likely to be doing. You also need to anticipate changes to your future customer needs. Customers change much more quickly than we think. The key number two is to continue learning and to embrace change. It's critical in this really fast-changing world to continue to learn and change. However, according to Harvard Business School, a primary reason for lack of success is that only 11% of business owners or managers have any ongoing learning. We need to learn. A degree that you earned five years ago or 20 years ago just does not stand us in good stead today with all this change. And the average Fortune 500 CEO reads 27 business books a year, as well as trade magazines and newspapers. But the average businessman reads none. Why? He says he's too busy. But all the important guys and the big guys read 27 and they're busier. Now, key number three is to have a dynamic marketing strategy. Marketing today includes every action taken by a business that in any way impacts a potential customer. When we are called in by a company to improve their business, the first thing we look at is their customer relationships and their service. And by that, I mean we look at every single interaction between the company and the customer. And then for every one of these interactions, you create create a wow factor so that when people finish doing business with you or finish that segment of doing business, they go, wow, that was great. I got the help I needed. I got the information I needed. The people were polite and terrific. And that makes the difference. Today, with technology, where it is possible to measure the performance of every single aspect of your business. And if you don't, you're crazy. Key number four, maximize technology. Technology is changing very rapidly, and it's changing the way we run our offices, the way we manufacture and distribute product, and we need to have all that done with technologically advanced software. It enables us to have a sophisticated database capture system. You need to know everything you can find out about your customer. And customers, companies must increasingly use the web, SMS, email, social media, chat rooms, all of the new media technology to control orders, production, distribution, marketing, because new media is highly targeted and it's very inexpensive and it enables you to have dialogue key number five is to know what business you are in now the business you're in is the emotional benefit the customer's buying it's not the specific product that you're selling for example a hardware store is not in the hardware business. You go to a hardware store because you need to solve a problem. So a hardware store is in the problem-solving business. You market a problem-solving business much differently than you market a hardware store. Nobody wakes up in the morning with a passionate desire to buy a hammer. You buy a hammer because you need to solve a problem, and that will make an enormous difference to the effectiveness of your communication.
Key number six, your consumer purchasing benefit. I've talked about this several times in the last few weeks. You need to determine your most powerful point of difference from your competitors, and that is your consumer purchasing benefit. Now, this difference can be based on ease of use, durability, reliability, safety aspects, convenience, as long as it differentiates you from your competitors. And, you know, some great examples of CPBs, um, BMW, it's engineered like no other car. It says it in one sentence that this is a quality car. Domino's, 30 minutes or it's free. You order take home food, it gets there quick, which is the most important thing. And breakfast of champions, Wheaties. What are you going to do? Feed your kid the breakfast of champions or are you going to feed him some other crap that tastes like cardboard? And if I say to you, Volvo, what do you think of? You think of safety, don't you? And that is so powerful. I remember when um, we're talking about buying my son his first car, his mother said, will buy a Volvo because it's safe. I mean, every car on the road's safe, but that message has really got through. Key number seven, sell emotionally. Research shows that all decisions are made emotionally and then justified pragmatically. Therefore, it's important to get front of mind recall. That triggers a positive reaction, which then influences the purchase decision. Think about You know, when you decide to go to Disneyland, everyone, including the parents, are excited before you even go. Why? Because Disneyland's the happiest place on earth. It's made a connection with you, even for people who have never been. So you've got to get your customers to love you and your product as much as they love Disneyland. How do you do that? You do that by paying attention to detail and making your customers feel special and reaching them emotionally. Ask yourself how emotional is your sales pitch. Look at your brochure, your advertising. What emotional connection are you making with your customer? If you're not making an emotional uh, connection, you will fail. Key number eight, differentiate yourself. You must differentiate yourself from your competitors. If I say to you, just do it, what do you think of? You instantly think of Nike. Lots of people do what Nike do. So you've got to make people think of you first. And a lot of ways to differentiate yourself. I know we did a program with um, with Toyota where they came to us and said, when people walk into the dealership with kids... It's almost impossible to make a sale because the kids distract the parents. 91% of the sales guys said it pre- having kids there prevents them from making a sale and 88% of sales staff said they lose sales because of kids. So we introduced Kids Corner, which meant kids could, parents could bring along their kids, the kids would play in Kids Corner. That resulted in 66 more sales in a year. That was an additional $2.7 million of revenue for putting in a little playground that cost 20 grand. So there are ways to differentiate yourself without spending a huge amount of money, depending on what you do. Key number nine, develop word of mouth. Word of mouth is critical because in successful businesses, 80% of all sales come from word of mouth. Only 20% comes from advertising. 
So word of mouth is four times more important than advertising, but people don't regard, regard it that way. And the great thing about word of mouth is that there's no cost for customer acquisition. 30, only 13% trust corporation. Corporation comes out and says, we're great. Nobody believes them. But 94% of people trust their family and friends. So if their family comes out and says, this is a great product, or their friends, people believe them and will buy it. Also, if you're recommended, then it reduces the influence of price, which means you can charge a higher price, you get a larger um, return on investment, and it's cheaper. You don't have to advertise to get people. Now, according to Harper's Bazaar, Every customer that's knocked out and really loves you will tell 633 people how great you are. However, if you've got a bad experience, they tell everybody, put it on the web, and it goes out to 10,000 people. So you need to knock people's socks off. Key number 10, reverse the risk. You know, at some point in a purchase, people start getting doubts. You know, do I really need to buy this? What if my wife doesn't like it? There's a lot of reasons why people start to get the collie wobbles. Reversing the risk can increase the sales decision positively by up to 50%. So things like a 100% money-back guarantee, a free trial, testimonials, matching the competitive offer, they all increase sales. Now, Santa Monica... Toyota, we did some work with them, and, and they said, if you find a cheaper car elsewhere, we'll give you three times the difference. And in five years, not one person ever came in and said, you know, I want three times the difference. Because once you buy a car somewhere else, or if you buy a car at, at Santa Monica Toyota, you're not going to go out and hunt around dealerships so that you can save a couple of dollars. <coughs> Excuse that cough. Key number 11 is to think outside the box. It's it's about the size of the idea, not the size of the budget. I mentioned to you before about the um, children's um, uh, shoe store that was having trouble competing with the big guys, the big big box stores, and so we filled the place up with sand and made it one big playground for kids, and you couldn't keep the kids out of the place. Anytime anybody wanted shoes, they would go to Yellow Balloon. So to gain massive advantage over your competitors, you do not have to revolutionise your business. Reality is that it's the small things that make a difference. When Frito-Lay put a curl in the chips so they could pick up salsa and guac easier, their sales went up $200 million just by putting a curl in a chip. Number 12, be a great communicator and select the right vehicle. We are lousy communicators. And according to Roy Nuremberg, The Art of Negotiating is at Berkeley, um, 81% of business managers, that's 81% of you guys listening out there, have extremely poor communication skills. Have to realise that communication is dialogue. It's not monologue. And today's generation want dialogue. And the trouble with traditional media is it's monologue. It's just people yelling at you with and seeing who can yell the loudest with, the, with their message. You need to realise that customers don't give a damn about you. They only care about them. If you go out of business tomorrow, they couldn't care less. They'll just go and find somewhere else to buy stuff. 
Yet many companies are out there constantly talking about themselves and how great they are and how their new premises and all things about them and their new technology. People don't care. People only worry about what's good for them. So when you're communicating, you've got to remember that each media vehicle, whether it's newspapers or TV or radio or billboards or social media, they all reach people in a different way and should have different messages for different reasons. But most advertisers just don't seem to realise this. And my last point that I'm going to talk about, there are more which are all in the book, but the last point is passion and determination. If you've been listening to this program over the last few weeks, you'll realise that it's tough out there. Your competitors are also getting better at what they do. Success isn't easy. If it was, everybody would be successful. So several of the guests in the last few weeks have said that the most essential ingredient in success is passion. If you love what you do and are dedicated to it, you will succeed. So if you want to know more details about the 15 keys, I'm just thinking back about um, um, my guest, Lane Beachley, about a, a week or so ago. Um Lane became world champion because she was absolutely committed and dedicated and was going to be successful no matter what. She had this enormous passion for success and seven times world champion. When I worked with Evander Holyfield, same thing. He was absolutely committed and passionate, 100% focused on becoming world champion. And, of course, he's done it a number of times. So... If you want to know more details about these 15 keys, pick up a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets. You can get it at your bookstore or on Amazon. And don't forget, let me know what you'd like me to talk about on this program. So send me a tweet, send me a bloody carrier pigeon. I don't care how you get the message to me. Just let me know what you want to talk about and we will do it and let's get this planet moving again. And uh, let's get out there and in the new year, Follow these keys, grab yourself a copy of the book. If the book doesn't work for you and it doesn't change your life and your business success, drop me a note. I will refund the money, keep the book, and I'll get on the phone to you and we'll do some consultation and I won't charge you a zack. That means, in Australia, that means nothing. I'll be back in a couple of minutes with my first guest. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Radio Show. Coming to you this week from my hometown in Los Angeles. My next guest is Michael Clark, who's a good friend I worked with in Calgary in Canada some time ago. Mike has been a content management architect for large-scale and secure document systems for 20 years, with clients including BP Energy and BHP Billiton, and recently as a documentum architect for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation Project to digitize all statewide inmate files. Mike's the founder of Qtility Software, that I did some work for, and co-founder of OFE, which is One File Everywhere, software solutions for transporting and securing information between enterprise information silos and individuals. Hi, Mike. How are you? Fine. Thanks very much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. Uh, These days, I guess, there are two questions to ask when beginning a high-tech or software company. The first one is, with the economy in such poor state, is this a good or bad time to start business? And the second question is, if you want to go ahead, how the hell do you go about it? So, with the hype gone from software and high-tech, is it a smart time to get into the software business? Well, I think I think it's it's a good point. Um, a lot of people have been burned, and the hype is gone. There's definitely no hype there at all. In fact, there's a bit of a stigma attached to it. However, I think it's a good time, but I'm kind of a contrarian uh, <laughs> in principle. So it's um, I think it's a good time because uh, you can go in another radar. There's a whole bunch of churn. There's a bunch of dramatic changes happening in the marketplace right now, and I think there's a lot of space. For small vendors, uh, small projects to get to get off the ground. I guess the other point is that if you've got a good project, there's no such thing as a perfect time or a good time or a bad time. If you've got a good project and you work hard, you'll make it. If you haven't, you won't. Well, you're absolutely right, Bob. It's there's there's no perfect time for a great idea, and uh, sometimes uh, you can get way ahead of the market. And, uh, you know, you, you come up with this fantastic idea and you might be five to seven years ahead of the market and you just flail away until suddenly the lights come on and bam, you're in here. Yeah, well, that brings me to another question. You know, hanging on for five to seven years is pretty tough. So what level of certainty and commitment do you need, you know, to start such a venture? You know, what gets you up in the morning? I know you've been um, plugging away for a long time. So what differentiates you from all the others that have also got a, a great idea? Well, that's, I guess that's the real question here. And uh, I've, uh, having been <laughs> trying to push this thing for five to seven years, yeah, I, I've reached all of the limits <laughs> on, on that question. Yeah. So there's, there's a number of different aspects of it. It's from the uh, financial to the professional to the... Uh, uh, to the domestic. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm so lucky to have Susan, my wife, supporting me on this. Um, but she, you know, she has limits. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and uh, and we've had these discussions. So um, 
Also, uh, I've had uh, so many investors and advisors and so and you know so-called experts tell me, no, uh, sell it. What you can get, you know, get out, bail out, get what you can for it, and so on and so forth, all the way along. And um, and uh, so it's it's really difficult to try and nail down when you are going to quit and when you're going to carry on. But essentially, I guess you know, if, if I was going to describe this to somebody that was just starting out, I'd say, if you think you've got a great idea and you can do it, and you haven't exhausted all of the different elements of everything you can possibly do to make this happen within reason, you should keep going. Yeah. But if it's, if it's just plain and simple that, oh, swing and a miss, you've, you're done, you know, there's, you've been clobbered by the big gorilla and uh, there's no chance to wiggle your way out from under it or find a different, uh, you know, a pivot point in the market or whatever, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're done. Yeah. You have to call it. But I haven't reached that point yet. Uh, but although there are many people that told me that have told me I have. <laughs> yeah. So how do you fund a software startup now? You know, with the SEC driving smaller investors into large angel funds and tax issues and employee expenses and legal hassles, etc. You know, how do you fund it? Uh, God, it's brutal. Um, I, I've been funding this from my own personal, uh, you know, revenue, and uh, our consulting has been fairly successful. We, we do a lot of uh, enterprise consulting in the document management, records management space. Right. And we're and, and uh, we're, you know, we're very, very highly specialized in that vertical. We're doing very, very well. We're not growing, you know, by, uh, you know, like gangbusters or anything, but, you know, we're solid on that. And so we've managed to recover from the dismal 2009-2008 era, and, uh, you know, we're, we're doing fairly well, but there's a limit to how much you can personally put in. So I'm sort of recharging the financial batteries and and scraping along. So you do whatever you can to develop the product with whatever money you can come up with. But the key, and this is my my discovery, is that you have to find the tip, what I would call the tip of the spear. You have to find the smallest possible amount of effort and investment that you can get a product into the market with, with the least amount of money, the shortest runway, and the highest likelihood of getting lift. And on the on the runway. I got another question though. At, at what point do you say I've done enough development? Now I'm going to try and get this into the marketplace, or keep going with development? Because I know a number of people that just sort of keep going. There's always a better mousetrap at the end of the day, and they end up never getting anything into the market. Oh, you're right, and I've I've been accused of that, and I've actually accused my accused myself of it. Um, here's here's one of the biggest. If you're in software and you're looking at getting into the software market, this is the big mistake I've made. Is I I was you know very experienced in the enterprise market and I thought oh this is perfect we can integrate to the silos we can talk to Documentum, FileNet, SharePoint whatever. And uh, but if I try to sell that into the large enterprise, it doesn't fly because I don't have enough money for credibility with these guys. You've yeah. got to have multi millions of dollars to to even get in the market and present yourself. So, okay, learn that lesson. Okay, now let's try the let's try the cloud thing and let's do the Dropbox, you know, box.net thing. Yeah. And um, so what happens is you need less money, but you also need more money than I've got. <laughs> yeah. And I I've never I've never been I've never successfully done this before, so I don't have the street creds, you know. And I don't blame the investors for turning the other way because, you know, who am I, right? 
Yeah. And they know people that have done it. So that, you know, that perpetuates itself. But anyway, so, okay, almost there. Got a demo out. You know, you can, you can demo our product. It's a little rough around the edges, but it's a pilot kind of thing. I remember but, having a, yeah. I remember having a demo about five years ago. Anyway, let's get to the next question. How do you get past those dream takers? You know, I, I can't stand dream takers. People who say, you're crazy. You've got to give up. Why don't you get a regular job? You know, you get that from your family, from your accountants, from your bankers, from everybody you know, from experts, from lawyers. Everybody wants you to fail, in my opinion. So what was the most negative said to you? I mean, who's, who's been, I know Susan's been your strongest advocate, but who's been your major um, detractor? Well, I'll give you an example. I was uh, doing a pitch to an angel group, uh, and uh, there was a guy that's sort of, sort of the opinion leader of the group. He's very technical. Sure. He's the uh, you know, top guy in uh, one of the uh, technical uh, angel groups hmm. here locally. And... Um, he stood up and said, uh, oh, there's no way you can do this. Um, the gorillas are going to kill you in this market. And we were talking about the cloud solution. So yep. basically, okay, well, he was right, but it just took the gas out of the room. There were interested parties at the time. Yeah. And everybody just, after after the meeting and after he said that, they were all gone. They evaporated. So, you know, and there were people that actually said, I want to talk to you later, you know, yeah. in the room. And then they didn't want to talk to me after he said that. So that, that just deflated it. But what we've done is we've come back and said, okay, tip of the spear, mobile. We, yeah. We've done the mobile side. It's a lot less effort. It's a lot easier to get in the market. So we're, you know, we kind of, you have to take it with a grain of salt. And you have to say, okay, you have to do a reality check and say, how much of this is valid and how much is just dream stealing? Yeah. And the way his venue, the way he did it was a dream stealer. But, you know, there was some valid points there, you know? Yeah. Well, you have, yeah. To, you have to take the good with the bad. One of the problems, I reckon is that, you know, I had a boss once, a guy named Kerry Packer, who was one of the world's wealthiest guys, and he used to say, don't try to educate people. If you've got to educate people, it's too expensive and too hard, and you will fail 99 times out of 100. So if, if your idea is too far ahead of the curve for people to readily get without you having to ed educate them, how do you communicate it and get the idea across? I mean... That's that's the key, and that's, that kind of comes back, and that's the revelation that the aha, the light that came on this year was, okay, we, we have to simplify the message. If people aren't getting it, I mean, they everybody I talk to when I do discovery, they need it. But when I try to sell it, they don't get it. Yeah. You know, they say, oh, yeah, I need it, but, you know, no, no, that doesn't sound right. I'm, I'm going to do it this way, which is, you know, the in-the-box approach. So... That comes down to the tip of the spear. If we got something that's really, really simple, you know, and and I'm I'm still in stealth mode, so I can't talk about it too much. But yeah. you know, it's it's just we distilled it down to something really, really simple. And now that we've done that, we're starting to get, oh yeah, that's cool. When can I get it? Right. And it's like, oh my god, and it's yeah. like, let's get this on the market as fast as we can. Yeah, sure. What's the single most important focus in a software startup? Uh, it's money. Get to get to the money. You know, get to the revenue. Get to Something uh, beyond the technical. I mean, I'm a super geek, and I love technical stuff, and all the guys I work with are super geeks, and I love technical stuff, but you have to focus on the business opportunity, the problem definition, and I've had it beat into my head for so long that finally I'm starting to get it, but right. that's the focus. Get to the money fast, as fast as you can or you'll die. Right. I, the only reason that I've managed to do this is you know, just by scraping together odds and ends of resources and things and, uh, you know, being able to fund it by the skin of my teeth, but I can't continue to do that forever. You know, you have to get it to market.
We've got about 30 seconds left. So at what stage do you cut your losses and shut down and say, well, I gave it my best shot, I'm going out and having a day gig? Particularly since your day gigs are pretty lucrative, aren't they? I mean, you, your consulting's pretty lucrative. So at what point do you say, I'm sick of bashing my head against the wall? Well, just when when it, it can't work, you know, if, if there are no more avenues to go down and if I can't get up in the morning and say, oh, damn, there's this opportunity, I have to do this, and, you know, that's, if that's gone and there's no opportunity and it's just like, oh, well, we've been left behind by the crowd, then, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up. That's, you know, you have to call it. You have to be rational, you know. You can yeah. be emotionally committed and passionate, but at some point the rational filter has to kick in. Sure. Yeah. For listeners, Mike's currently in the stages of a third-party market validation for the OFE product and is passively looking for potential investors while keeping things in a stealth mode. Um, I've worked with Mike and I can I can vouch for the quality of his work and the um, and the level of, of product that he's producing. So if you're interested in um, talking to Mike or um, contacting him, you can contact him by email at mike.com. Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, at Qtility, Q-T-I-L-I-T-Y dot com, and Mike would love to talk to you. Mike, great to talk to you again. Give my regards to Susan, and uh, I hope that I get to see you very shortly. Well, thanks very much, Bob. It's such a pleasure talking with you, and uh, good luck on this show. This is such a great show. I'm loving it. Thank you very much. I'll be back straight after the break with more of the Bob Pritchard Business Radio Show. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight-Talking No-Bullshit Radio Show, coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. My first guest today is Tom Timo, a Silicon Valley professional with proven success in six early-stage companies. 
Tom secured capital and negotiated profitable exit strategies that created more than $600 million in shareholder equity. As you'll quickly discover, Tom's got an entrepreneurial spirit and a very strong desire to create a way to monetize social networks. The result is a company called Monkey Bars. Tom is a product of Marquette University, Harvard Business School and the Oracle Corporation. Hi Tom, welcome to the show. Hello Bob, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Um, the internet and social media have totally changed the way that we all do business. Um, I know that in my business, um, with marketing and, and business strategies, it's caused a total revolution everything is so different. We now have a transparency and a measurability that we've never had before. So where, where are these going? Where are we going with the internet and what can we expect to change? Well, I think one of the things um, that's really tipped uh, the scale is the smartphone. And uh, you'll see today there's uh, much news about us actually reaching the tipping point where the use to access data on the internet um, more is being accessed now via the smartphone than actually by the browser on our PCs or our Macs. Wow. And that, okay. that dramatically changes things because now people are getting their information real time, in their pocket, on the go, um, and it really drives behavior. Is there, I was talking to um, somebody at Google a few days ago and they were saying that the average person accesses their iPhone I think 176 times a day, which is really quite staggering. It's amazing, and, and other stats, um, between 70 and 80 minutes a day is spent browsing Internet content on your smartphone. So of your entire day, you're spending more than an hour of it looking down at your smartphone to access information. Is anybody doing any work anymore? <laughs> okay. It's a wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Well, between that and the coffee shops, I, I don't know. Um, so what is Monkey Bars? Just give us a, an overview of what Monkey Bars is. Sure. Monkey Bars is an Internet commerce platform where the creators of digital content, that would be books, that would be music, that would be movies, um, have the ability to sell those items to the general public. And unlike an Apple iTunes or an Amazon or other online marketplaces, you don't pay the royalty to monkey bars. You actually pay it to the people that recommend your digital content on the leading social networks. Okay. So when you talk about social commerce, what are you, what are you saying? Are you saying anything that's sold or whatever on the, on the web? Is that what you're saying? Well, if you really look at Internet commerce today, so much of what we do and what we buy is driven by the impressions we get from our friends. Maybe it's what they put on their Facebook wall, that they particularly like this movie or they like this book. Maybe it's something that they tweet or they put into their LinkedIn. And that has become such a powerful force to influence commerce. Sure. But today, Internet commerce, the purchase of goods, is really disconnected from that social experience of recommending goods. So social commerce is bringing the social experience and the buying experience together. Could you just give me a, a simple example of how it might work? I get on LinkedIn and I send out to my uh, 2,500 um, friends uh, 
that I love a particular item, how do I get rewarded for that? How does that process work? Well, first, that item that you particularly like, let's say it's a book, and you particularly like the author. So that author, when he put his book on monkey bars, he said, this book is $10. That is the price that I'm going to sell it for. And rather than giving 30% or $3 of that to Apple to sell in their iBooks, he said, I'm going to give $3 to the people that recommend my book. So now Bob goes on to LinkedIn, and he recommends that book. Tom, I follow you on LinkedIn because I enjoy your program, and I take that link and not only buy the book, but I recommend it on my Facebook wall. I've got 700 friends on Facebook. One of them picks it up and tweets it. Ultimately, you and I will both share in that $3 of royalty that's set aside because we were influencing our social networks to go and buy that book. Right, I've gotcha. Um, so what's the target audience for the Monkey Bar service? Well, like so many different um, new things, you've, you've got to start with the crowd that has the smartphone almost embedded into their hand, um, right. and that's the 18 to 25 set. Yep. Um, you almost could say that they were born with it, but although we know not quite. Yeah, almost. Um, <laughs> I, I, look at, I, look at, I was down, uh, down at the um, mall the other day, and I was looking at kids that seem no, no older than five or six that seem to have iPhones and be um, tweeting or whatever they were doing. But um, it's amazing. It, well, because their really... behavior influences all of us. I mean, yeah. what got us interested in Facebook? It was the college crowd that had um, taken to Facebook, and we all have probably seen the movie Social Network. Yep. So that's really because they're going to influence the behavior of their parents and their grandparents, and um, the whole social dynamic is influenced by that age group. How do you, how do you tell who originated the sale? Um, I, I, I go out and put something on, uh, I do a tweet, you pick it up, then you go and... and like the book and you on tweet it how do you keep track of who tweeted what and where it originated how does that work well the technology that we patented that is unique to monkey bars when you go and put it on your LinkedIn page I'm going to keep track that Bob Pritchard put it on LinkedIn and I'm going to embed that within the link so that then when Tom Timo puts it on his Facebook wall your name is first in that link, encrypted, of course, no one else can tell it, yeah. and then my name, and then whoever might recommend it past me, so that we can reward the circles of people that have influenced that ultimate purchase. Okay. Okay, so it's all done, it's all done um, technologically. It... Correct. You don't have to think about, gee, how are they going to keep track of the fact that I had influence on this because I put it on my LinkedIn page um, and um, recommended it to all my followers. Right. Okay. So how did you you come up with this value proposition? Well, um, the company was founded in Australia, down in Sydney. Um, And at that time, it was a company that recognized that people were going to use their smartphones to access and share content. Right. All different forms of digital content. So you might think of it, if you're familiar with the company Dropbox, as a Dropbox for smartphones. Um, But upon uh, working with a group of college interns, we interviewed 
thousands of them. And once again, this is that group of people that that smartphone is really embedded within their hand. Almost uniformly, it came back that I, I, my IP as a 19-year-old in college is my social network, is that those 1,100 friends I have, is the 5,000 people that follow me on Twitter. That is my intellectual property okay. as a millennial. And I'm not getting rewarded for my value that I create. And over and over again, we heard it. If only someone could reward us for all that social activity we do. That 18 to 25 set spends an average of three and a half hours a day on Facebook. Amazing. And today, other than a little narcissism and satisfaction <laughs> that they're discovering things, yeah. they really don't get anything in return for that. And that's the problem we decided we wanted to solve. Of course, the knowledge of, it seems to me, um, that the knowledge of how people can use Facebook is still in its infancy. Um, I had... You know, I'm, a, I'm an older generation, and I um, had always thought I use LinkedIn all the time, and we tweet all the time, and we do all that. But I always saw Facebook as a where you put photos at the last party, and um, it's only been a year or two since we realised how effective we can use it for business. So um, I guess as that um, knowledge of how you can use Facebook increases, the opportunity for monkey bars will go through the roof. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you see what it's happened, you know, how Facebook is applied to political situations, toppling governments, yeah, or how it's changed the media and the news business. I mean, most people heard about Osama bin Laden through um, Twitter and Facebook. So it's just the next logical step. But wait a second. All that we buy through the Internet, Facebook has a powerful, Facebook and the other social networks have a powerful influence on that. It's time that people got rewarded for that influence they're creating. Yeah, will this, will this create an industry a bit like eBay where people go out and, and deliberately um, promote products to, um, to encourage other people to, to um, use them so they can earn money? Uh, we hope it will, but we're very cautious because first we make sure that the people that are recommending things actually have to buy the item first because there's nothing worse than someone just spamming Yep. that they like 150 different things and all of a sudden your news feed is filled with their recommendations. We want it to be about things you genuinely like and you've proven that by buying them. And you have all, to buy them online. So you have to buy them online so first. So they can be tracked, yep, okay. Correct. And also, social networks have become more and more sophisticated. You might remember when Zynga first came out with Farmville, if you were using yeah. Facebook, you know, all of a sudden you're getting these crazy notices about people buying fictitious cows and trading chickens. And after a while, you just take those people off your newsreel or you defriend them ent entirely. So social networks have become self-regulating. If someone's annoying or someone's spamming, you just exclude them. Right. Well, we've got, uh, haven't got very long left. So well, the social graph royalty program, it sounds great, but do you guys practice what you preach? What do you do to, um, to give back? Absolutely. Our, our view is that the artist should give to those that influence the sale of their content. We at Monkey Bars feel that our customers that influence people adopting Monkey Bars should share. So every dollar of subscription that we receive, we give half of it back to the wow. community that supports us. Wow. So if you're influential in helping to grow Monkey Bars, half of our revenue is given back to you. That's fantastic. 
that really that's very generous. Um, well, thanks, Tom. I think we've all got a um, a really good snapshot of where social commerce is going. Now, if you'd like to, con- if somebody would like to contact you, Tom, how do they do that? Um, they can reach me at Tom at monkeybars.net. That's Tom at monkeybars.net. And the website, obviously, is www.monkeybars.net. Well, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'll be back after the break with the second half of the show. Thank you, sir. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Radio Show coming to you this week from Los Angeles. As we move closer to Christmas and have the new year looming, what are the challenges that small business is facing right now? The unique challenges that come starting and growing a business are a big part of what makes this experience so rewarding. I know in my case, um, it's a huge buzz when I go into Barnes & Noble just after a new book's been released and you see it on the shelves. It really motivates you to go and write another one. And it's those little increments of success that keep driving you. Business is the same. Is there any bigger rush than finally landing that big customer you've been working on for some time? Now, every day brings new challenges, new opportunities, new accomplishments, And that's what makes the journey fun. And if you're not having fun, you shouldn't be doing it. But we have a dreadful economy, grim economic reports every five minutes, and a Congress and White House unable to achieve consensus on anything. Now, this presents people in small business with some real challenges. Because of congressional deadlock, many entrepreneurs find it difficult to obtain loans, and they're selling to an increasingly nervous customer. Over the past weeks, I've spoken to a wide range of business people, entertainment people, sports people, and in the main, they're both optimistic and cautious. 
the 24-hour news cycle and the sensationalism of the coverage leaves every and the fact that it's an election year leaves everyone feeling on edge. This causes business owners to hunker down and customers to stop spending. U.S. debts, the eurozone crisis, political polarization, bankrupt countries—it's all very disconcerting. Another big challenge at the moment, of course, is the lack of cash. One of the largest lessons learned from the Great Recession is that nothing matters more at a time like this than cash. And unlike the big corporations, little companies don't have the opportunity to um, to build that cash, particularly since the recent um, uh, downturn in the economy. But the biggest issue facing small business today is identifying, accessing and mitigating, and mitigating excuse me, risk. Most small businesses spend very little time addressing risks and planning for them, and it's critical that you do that. The misconception that the government is bringing in more regulation and taxes is also causing businesses to avoid cash, big businesses, avoid risks and not hire any new staff. The bickering in Washington is stalling the recovery. To solve these issues today, banks need to lend. Big corporations and the wealthy need to pay a fairer share of taxes. Companies large and small need to stop taking jobs offshore. We need to concentrate on what's important and work together to identify the challenges and find solutions. We need to get back to what America was, a beacon of optimism, enthusiasm and achievement. We need to get big businesses in a hiring mode so we can start the cycle of recovery. So write to your congressman. Write to your senator, write to the White House and tell them that we want action now that's going to help small business develop. And right now, the policies and the arguing and the lack of consensus is certainly hurting everyone. As potential customers rein in spending, business is not growing anywhere near as quickly as it needs to to get out of this mess that we're in. Business owners are spending more time determining how to cost-effectively reach new customers, and that's a great thing. We need to spend a lot more time developing new media strategies because it's one-on-one communication when the customer wants the information, and it creates dialogue. You can speak backwards and forwards to your customer, and that means you don't have to compete on price, and that's a good thing because most companies that compete on price go out of business. Now, the biggest challenge for small business next year is going to be focus. You need a clear head to recognise an opportunity when it presents itself. You want to focus on what you can control and forget about stuff that you can't control. Listen to your customers. Keep moving forward. And as I say in my 15 keys to business and marketing success, focus on what you want to happen and really work at it. The reality is that it's really hard to be successful in small business. Nothing's easy. It's not easy to climb Mount Everest. It's not easy to win a gold medal and running a business isn't easy. But as other companies contract and cut their advertising budgets and cut their spend, 
which are stupid things to do, this is a great time to start a business and be positive. There's a huge opportunity for the little guys who are gutsy enough to get out there into the marketplace and shake it up right now. Hire temporaries and consultants. Stay clear of employees <coughs> Excuse me, as much as possible. Stay light and quick on your feet. Now is the time to jump in there and start grabbing business from the big guys who are too scared or too big to be able to react quickly. There is never a better time to grab a bigger piece of your market than right now. So come on, go for it. Don't pull in your horns. Go out there and grab the slice of the market that's available. Following last week's interview with seven times world champion surfer Lane Beachley, I received an email from Eric Johnson of Amosa Beach in California. Eric writes, Dear Bob, great show. I love it. I've learned so much. I also bought your new book, which I've now used to expand on what you say on the show. I'm a surfer too, and I would like to enter events on the world tour, but I don't have the funds. How do I go about getting sponsorship? Eric, that's a frequently asked question. The key to any sponsorship is what you can offer the sponsor that will help them sell product. It's not about you, it's about them. Sponsorship is not altruistic. Sponsors need to get real benefits and real sales for the money they invest. Just giving them signage on a board or your equipment doesn't cut it. Eric, find ways that you can promote them, whether it's you could maybe you could go to schools and talk to kids about their futures and give the, the company plugs. There's lots of things you can do. I wrote a book a few years ago called Sponsorship Made Simple, which may still be available from Amazon. This book gives you a couple of hundred pages on how you can get sponsorships. So don't forget that if I answer your email on air, I'll send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. This book is guaranteed to be build your business. Eric, you'll receive it in the post very soon. So don't forget, I want to hear from you. So visit my website at bobpritchard.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Email me. Tweet me. Become my friend on LinkedIn and tell me what it is that you want to talk about. And don't forget to grab a copy of my new book at your favorite bookstore or on Amazon or go to my website. We'll see you next week, just after the Christmas. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.